0: all right let's pray this morning as we start oh god we just thank you that that we have your word in front of us what a privilege it is god that we have your scripture and and lord your thoughts to think and ways to transform us so that we can become more like you and we can live in a way together that honors you and glorifies you lord we just pray that the world will see how we live and that we live in a way that is different because you have changed us and have reoriented our thinking and our our ways of relating to each other so father as we come to your word this morning um, just continue lord to change our minds and thoughts about how we how we gather what we do why we do it and lord how important it is that we stay together as your people Um, we pray for people in our world that are sick right now lord there's so much of it and there's so much fear and so god i pray that you would be working throughout your people to speak words of peace and truth and calm and lord that our thoughts would be fixed to you Um, we thank you god for everybody here and and our friends that aren't here today and lord we just thank you that your love unites us and we just um, lift you up today in jesus name amen so this is kind of a fun topic to preach on, and um, I was going to say, by the way, next week we're going to be starting a sermon series on the book of Mark, and I have never preached on the book of Mark before. It's um, it's the shortest of all the Gospels. Um, it's the first of, of the synoptic Gospels of where a lot of the other Gospels came from, and so one thing that I was just going to ask this uh, a business a business question or a business statement is: I need all of you to download the U version on your on your phones for sure by next Sunday. Does this sound familiar? Yes. So on your phones, there's an app, the Bible. It's um it's actually. The Bible app is um, created by Life Church in Oklahoma, Life Church, and it is a covenant church, FYI. Craig Groeschel is the founding pastor of that church, and they did this um, YouVersion Bible app. So the strategy that we're going to be doing next week is we're going to preach, we're going to do one chapter, and then in the in-between, I'm going to ask all of you to read the next chapter. So we're going to start with Mark chapter 1 next week, and in the in-between week, please read Mark 2. Um, that way we'll get through Mark in six weeks' time, which will set us up for Lent, which is kind of crazy to think about that we're already, like, talking about that. And then we're going to be going to the red books for Lent. So that's just like a little snapshot of what we're doing together as a church. Um, I'm really excited, too, because what what I'm going to do is I'm going to get your emails and send you an invite um, for the book of Mark. And what we're going to do together to increase community and to increase conversation about what we're, re- what we're reading is you're going to get an invite that's going to say, Carrie Cod is inviting you to read the YouVersion app of the Bible. And on the off weeks when we're reading chapter two, just know like you can read it whenever you want. But if you want to comment on it, there's this cool tool that when you get done reading your passage, it says, let's talk about it. And if you want to chime in and just chime in a thought of what you read that week, do it. You know, it'll be really neat because we'll all get to grow more together just seeing like, oh, you know, the bubs, they like thought this and and got that insight. And we're like, huh? I didn't I didn't catch that. And so it'll wait for us to grow together um, in in the in between week. And as we chew on God's word together, um, I grew up on a farm. And one thing that I think is like a good analogy is that cows chew their cud and they chew and they chew and they chew and we should too chew on God's word in that same way, where we just keep chewing on it and mulling it around and letting it really be in us in a rich and purposeful way. One other fun fact, just thinking about small groups, is that the Covenant Church was birthed out of small groups. They were called conventicles. We had talked about this a little bit in our membership class and our membership series, but the conventicles were small groups that were started in the 1800s by these Swedish Lutherans who just craved more than what they were getting on Sundays. Um, Church had become kind of stagnant. Um, The church was connected to the state government. And so there just was kind of um, an apathy and a death in the churches in a lot of ways of what I remember reading in my history class. And people started gathering together around God's word. And so these conventicles started where people were just simply reading God's word together and praying together. And the Holy Spirit moved in powerful ways. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people um, became alive in their faith. That's um, where we get the pietistic movement from. So it's important as we start small groups to keep thinking about as we gather in small groups in that same tradition as early Christ followers that we come around God's word. We come again. We come together equally because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We come from different walks of life, but we are all united because of Jesus. And that is what forms us around um, his word and how his word will change us and grow us and spur us on to the next um, part of life that we're doing together at New City. So... Just a couple things. All right, so as we come to Scripture, we read the first um, the first slide. Andrew, can you, or whoever's back there. That will be fun, but we're not talking about that right now. Okay, so we're going to read Romans 12 together. If you have your Bibles or you want to follow on the screen, you can do so. But the Apostle Paul again says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mer- mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Next slide. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as many, of, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. So pause there. couple things. As we come to this um, thought of what it means to be in a small group and to be the body of Christ, The Apostle Paul gives us some words of exhortation. He says, first of all, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. He's pretty much saying, think of yourself in a way that is right and true of who you are. He says, don't don't be haughty, don't be prideful. Have a sober judgment about yourself and about where you're at with your faith. And then he reminds the church, just as each body has a lot of members, just think we all have fingers, thumbs, hands, heads, ears, Some have facial hair, some have don't. He says, some of us, we have many many members, but we don't all have the same function. In Christ, we form one body, and each member belongs to the others. I just want to encourage you, if you ever have felt like you don't belong, That is what the world says. But in Christ, that is a completely different message. You belong. Just like like your hand belongs to your wrist and your arm and your shoulder, just so you belong to each other because of Christ. Next slide. And then he tells the church, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then he names some of these gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Prophesy. Prophesying is not like telling the future, it's 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 telling the truth. It's speaking God's truth in a prophetic way. And sometimes that did say the future. It it did it did embody a person being given a word of knowledge about the future, but it's really speaking God's truth. Verse seven if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I was going to read to you what the message says. I just love how Eugene Peterson um, puts this. He says, In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. Then he, he kind of goes crass. He says, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, <laughs> a, sorry, this cracked me up. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. And then he says, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. That's my problem. So my spouse says. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. And then verse nine, we read, Love must next slide. Who was ever doing it? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual, spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, faithful, faith, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay Says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals in his head. And Paul concludes by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, if you chew on this passage throughout the week, there's so much in this that tells us why, as we live together in community, which is small groups, that we encourage each other to do these things. um, To be sincere, hate the evil that's in this world, but cling to the good and and show the good. Show honor to one another, encourage one another, be faithful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share, bless, rejoice, Small groups are a model of how to live in harmony with one another because it's like being with a family. Also to say that when we come around small groups together, we're gonna, we're gonna know how different we are because we're gonna see like, oh, we start to notice things that are different but then we can appreciate and that's the wonderful thing. Um, one of my favorite, favorite things that I, I say to people is appreciate difference and small groups give us opportunity to do that. So small groups, first of all, As we think about just the foundation of why are small groups within the church a thing, again, it goes back to this was how it was modeled in the early church. As the early church came together, first of all, they've dealt with persecution, so they had to be together in small groups. So it was out of need and desperation but it was also out of community and thriving and the commonality that they had around Christ. And so the small groups began right away. Jesus had a small group of followers, and then then they multiplied, and he sent out. And so as small groups grow, it also means that what is done organically within your group is going to multiply in other ways. Just think about ways that you come to a group on a week and you're praying for maybe something or someone, or uh, maybe someone will, will share something with you that will encourage you, and just think of what God does with that outside of the wall of the home and outside of the walls of the church. It is powerful. There's risk for small groups. Um, I I put this down as there is a cost-benefit, and I want you to think about this. The benefits, next slide. Thank you. The benefits outweigh the risk. I know a lot of people, the minute that you start talking about this, I've worked in churches a long time, that you can see people, and you see the arms come up like, I'm not joining a group. Nope. <laughs> there's, a, there's a game that I've been, I've been playing on sometimes with my clients, and it's called Exploding Kittens. And there's a nope card. And if you don't want to do the action that you get, you play your nope card. Nope, and it means you don't do it. A lot of people say nope to groups. It's because either they're scared, and I think that's just a real thing to say, I don't want to do this. That sounds really uncomfortable or freaky or I've been burned in a group before. Um, I don't want to do that. But I want to just encourage you right now, if you'll think about this and just consider it. First of all, the cost-benefit analysis is, first of all, the benefit is community. God tells us not to do life alone. And we have to do that in a community. I, you know it's really easy to show up on Sunday, check off your church box and be like, Yep, did that. I'm good. But how many of you have really taken time to get to know each other and learn about each other's story? I was gonna say last week we had the best time learning about Joe at our at our table. And that's why soul food is, is really kind of a small group experience too, because you gather around food and tables, learned about Sandy. It was beautiful. It was so much fun. We learned about Joe's exercise routine. If you want if you want to be encouraged, go talk to Joe. I felt encouraged this week. As pastors, we also say that small groups are the best place for pastoral care. It means that you find out that there is a need in your group and you start caring for one another. And, and that really is, I'm not saying that to say like us pastors, we need, we need to like, you know, start not doing our jobs because we're delegating all of those things. But it means we have to care for each other. And so the minute you find out that there's a need, you're like, boom, I can help my brother or sister, or I know that there's something going on, or I can be praying for them or hold them accountable to something. Small groups promote growth. The model of the church has always grown through small groups. It also promotes friendships. You know, I, on my other job during the week, I am always astounded every day when I found out how many people do not have a single friend. And I'm not joking you. It breaks my heart. And I think about how lonely and isolating our world is right now, and especially now. And so friendships grow. Sometimes the best friendships come out of small groups. They're also a place of stability and accountability. When you have a small group that you know is like an anchor for you, and you know too that I'm going to show up and I know those people are going to show up in my life and be stable people, I also know I will be accountable to somebody. And it's really important to say that because a lot of us don't want to be accountable because we don't want to let people in and see our stuff. And I will tell you, being in a small group is a vulnerable thing because you are saying, At some point or another, my stuff is going to show. At some point or another, my hair is going to hang down, and people are going to see the real me, and it is very vulnerable. And so that is a risk. Heyo, it's a big risk, but it's willing. I hope that you're willing to take it. So here's some theology for small groups. Next slide. First of all, um, small groups model the triune nature of God. God created mankind in his image. Next slide, please which is inherently relational. Isolationism goes against God's nature, and God wants us to be in community. Small groups give us a chance to experience the one another's of scripture. Next slide. First of all, and second of all, it's the church is the family of God. The image of family is the primary metaphor for life in the New Testament church. That's why they called themselves brother and sister. It's totally countercultural to this world. God forged the church, his new family, and houses to reflect a close-knit, one-another relationship where hospitality and the extended family was the priority. I have a colleague who's a Christ follower, and um, we share a client, and and I'll say, oh, there's my brother James, and, and then he smiles at me, and I'm like, and I will say to our client, don't James and I look alike? And... I'm like, we look just like our father. And it's, it's become our inside joke. But you think about the more that we spend time together, the more that we really resemble each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and the family of God. It's important to think about that this was made a priority in the early church. Third, Christ's emphasis on the home. Jesus ministered in in homes at least 19 times in the New Testament. It's so, if you start paying attention to scripture where Jesus did his ministry and where he was, it was in unexpected places, but he was in people's homes. He then sent his disciples and teams to minister in houses, giving them clear instructions on how to reach people through the house strategy. You know, I would say, um, you can just, you don't have to raise your hand to this one, but how many of you feel a little bit vulnerable and uncomfortable inviting someone into your home? That's just putting it out there I know the, the times I've invited um, co-workers or neighbors into our home it, it hits me of like what an intimate thing that is because you're letting them see like your stuff personal stuff um, I think that's important to say like when we open up our homes to each other we are offering hospitality but we are also again practicing vulnerability and you don't have to meet in the in the home if that's not your thing maybe maybe you don't have the margin to <laughs> Do a major clean through your house every week, tab people over, and that's where you meet here at church. But it is to say that Christ modeled small groups out of the home. Next slide. Relational evangelism began again through house to house ministry. The gospel flowed naturally through the extended family as they met from house to house. It was also a way that people could invite their neighbors over and, and let their neighbors in, which is a very easy way to also extend small groups. Next slide. Leadership development also begins in the home. And this is important to think about the equality that Jesus modeled in how he, it was. Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. The Spirit of God, through his gifts, allowed each member to minister. And thinking about this as, from my perspective as a female, too, when I read this part, it caught me that women played an essential role in early leadership, and the focus was on the team rather than one leader. Jesus empowered men and women to serve him and lead in their homes. Next slide, another theological reason for small groups is that it is making disciples who make disciples. And the most important biblical reason as Jesus chose the small group atmosphere to make disciples was help them overcome conflict. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And we think about how the early church fulfilled that small group strategy as people ministered house to house. It's messy to live together. You know, things are going to happen and come up. We're human, we're selfish, we're rude, we're inconsiderate at times, but that is where God does the most refining work in us. And that discipleship making process is also how we learn and grow and follow Christ together. So when we go downstairs today, if you're able to stay, um, you're going to find on your tables, there's going to be some small group essentials. And and this very simple framework, I think there's like eight or nine things, but just things that are essential for small group. Um, it's, it's just some ideas for you all to talk about to say, um, what does accountability look like? What does commitment look like? What, does, um, what is going to be our, our game plan? You know, there's just some simple things that I found um, that another church had given an example that I thought were really good. And so they're on your tables downstairs. And so think about those essentials when you start meeting as a small group of what is going to be the most important thing for us. It's also important, too, that communication is going to be that essential. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Form a group chat. You know, that's, I know I did, form a group chat. Um, find ways that you are all communicating on an equal level. Um, one thing I will encourage is that that you don't have side, side, side um, groups like me and Tara, we're, say we're in a small group, and Tara, did you hear what happened? Da-da-da-da. Don't do that, you know, have, have communication equal where everybody covenants and agrees to say, we're gonna communicate as one large group, um, we're gonna be honest, we're gonna commit to no gossip, we're gonna, you know, there's just some ideas downstairs on your table, so take a look at them. And just thinking about what will this look like for us at New City, um, next slide. First of all, it's gonna, it's gonna mean that as we are in a new season of ministry, that we are going to make a commitment to small groups as a church. You're, um, our church staff has, has committed to that. We commit to be together and invest in one another, not just show up on Sundays, but we are also going to start doing life together. And maybe that's once a month. I don't want you to be freaked out being oh my gosh, I have all this time, and I have a, but what if you say once a month we're going to covenant that we're going to show up and we're going to spend time, eat a meal, learn about each other, go around God's word together, do this Bible study together, whatever you do, but you're gonna to commit to doing it. It's gonna take some courage, especially for those of you that might have been hurt from a small group. Um, as a pastor, I know too many like, nightmare stories of people that have been wounded by another Christ follower, and I'm so sorry if that's been your story. But it is gonna take courage to say, I'm gonna try again, I'm gonna give this another shot, I'm gonna let myself be known. It's going to be an encouragement. I can tell you that um, when I was on staff at Linwood, first of all, I want to show you guys at some point, if I can get my hands on the video, we, our staff made it a how to do groups video, and we had so much fun with it because we showed like everything you shouldn't do in a group, like don't over talk, don't be really late, don't gossip. You know, we, we did all the don'ts, but we had fun with it. But I just saw as we anchored into small groups and launching small groups, how much encouragement uh, was, was the product of small groups. So I know that this will be an encouragement for all of you, and it is something countercultural. I will say that the more that um, that I see things in the world, it means that we isolate, we don't let ourselves be known, we don't take time, we're really busy. But it means that if we commit to being in a group together, we are going to be countercultural and we are going to be going against the flow. But I think that's what the Apostle Paul was was getting at when he again encouraged the people from. Um, from Rome, and I'll read to you if you want to like find on your Bible app if you've got it the message. But in the message part of Romans twelve, he says, "So here's what I want you to do: God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking." Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And that is my true and sincere hope for us at New City as we lean into being together even more and growing together even more. Um, so I'm just going to ask you, first of all, pray about this this week. You know, We'll come downstairs, we'll figure out You know what you want to do, um, we're going to do some fun get-to-know-you stuff downstairs as we sit around the table that Joe and Sandy have provided a meal for us today. and um, Just be open, be willing, pray about it. If you're, if you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Um, if you're single, pray about it and see what God says to you, but just be willing to pray about that this week and consider this next season of life together. Um, so let's pray together and um, consider what God has for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for the encouragement that we have to follow you together, that we're not alone in our in our faith, that we have each other. Lord, I pray for my friends here and for friends that maybe aren't able to be here today, but, um, Lord, that they're praying about this, or maybe, God, this is bringing up something from their past that's uncomfortable and, and maybe wounding. Lord, would you continue to, to heal us when we have been hurt by another and to know that that God you are the one who creates and renews and restores and I just pray God that you would be doing that through small groups and community at New City thank you father for this day thank you for the meal that we'll get to have together and thank you that we've gotten to sing and pray and just sit and be in your presence together we love and praise you in Jesus' name amen